I, uh, I wish I was Oprah, which I know is a weird thing to start off a message with, but honestly, I do. Part of the reason, there are a lot of them, but part of the reason is she's so generous. Um, one of the things that Oprah was known for in her talk show days, you know, when she had a, a show on TV, one of the things that she was always known for was giving stuff away to her audience, eh? So some of you guys are like, yeah, Dan, I wish you were Oprah. If we're giving away stuff to the audience, that sounds pretty good to me, Right? She used to give away all kinds of stuff. Usually they were small gifts, but they were nice. They were things that you might want to have. So if you were in her audience on a particular episode, you might get a book or she might give you some clothing. Sometimes she gave food and then sometimes she went completely bonkers. There was one particular moment in 2004 where Oprah did something that was so nutty. I mean, just so unbelievable that it cemented her status as one of the most generous people in the whole world. And it just stuck in pop culture memory. I guarantee you, as soon as I tell you this story, you're going to remember exactly what I'm talking about. It's 2004. She was filming an episode. She had a studio audience with her. And she starts telling the studio audience about these families that were viewers of her show. But each one of these 11 families that she mentioned had fallen on hard times. They had lost their jobs. They had gone through a difficult divorce. They had had a a serious health issue that impacted their ability to work. Some of them were single parents. All 11 families had some difficult situation that they were going through. And Oprah decided she was going to do something about that. So she brought a camera crew to each one of these 11 viewers' homes around the U.S., and when she got there, she filmed their story, and at the end of that segment, for all 11 families, she gave them a brand new car, a $30,000 car. She gave it to them. It was powerful. I mean, it was moving. Giving away 11 vehicles in one TV show in the course of one hour is unprecedented. Nobody had been that generous. Nobody had done anything like that to date. People at home were watching and they're like, man, that is a generous woman. She wasn't done yet. Back in the studio audience, she told the crowd, I've got one more car to give away. And so she said, I've got some friends who are going to come out. They're going to give you little boxes that are all wrapped up in bows, nice and neat. And you're going to open those boxes when I count to three. And whoever it is that has a set of keys inside of their box is going to win this last car that I have to give away. So you could just see people getting pumped, man. You watch the video and they're like, oh, I can't believe this is going to happen. And so here come helpers. They're passing out the boxes. Once everybody gets a box, Oprah starts counting to three. One two, three. And she says, open your box. And every single person in that audience opened their box and they found a set of car keys inside. She had just given away 276 more cars, one to every single person in her audience that day. The crowd went nuts, (laughs) as you can imagine. It was pure chaos and pandemonium. People were jumping, they were crying, they were hugging. It was absolute chaos while Oprah shouting, you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. You remember that? You've probably seen the memes with Oprah going like this. It It was an incredible, powerful moment. You can see, I encourage you, go back and watch the clip. It's online. It's very short. It's like two minutes long and it is worth seeing. It'll restore your faith in humanity's generosity. It is amazing 
to see the reaction of the people in her audience who got a free car that day. I mean, seriously, women were just hugging and sobbing. They were showing more emotion when they got that car, I guarantee you, than they did when their third child was born. You know, I mean, it was a, because by the third, you know, you're over it. You know what's happening. Anyway, they were stoked and I can't blame them. If I'd been in the audience, man, I would have been so excited. I would have been jumping around. I would have been celebrating because who does anything that generous? I have to admit, I was sitting in my basement this week. I rewatched that clip to prepare for this message. My eyes teared up a little bit. That's the most embarrassing thing I've said so far here on Sunday mornings, but it's the truth because it was a powerful moment of real generosity. Like there is something moving that happens when a compassion for somebody's situation turns into a passion to do something about it. When we see someone who's in need and we decide, look, I may not have all the resources in the world, but I've got enough that I can help relieve some of the difficulty that they're going through. When we see that happening, there is something that comes alive in our hearts and our souls because we understand that that moment is powerful. It's transformative. So I say, I wish I was Oprah because I would love to give you all a big giant gift today. I I hate to burst your bubble. I see some of you guys are rubbing your hands together. You're like, oh, he's about to drive a car on stage. No, I'm not. We're an eight-week-old church, okay? I don't really have that much to offer you. If I were wealthy, if I were rich like Oprah, sure, you get a car and you get a car. I don't know about you, but the rest of you, you all get a car. I'd be glad to do that if I had her resources. And you probably think that way too. You think to yourself, man, if I I were as rich as Oprah or as Bill Gates, of course, I would be the most generous person in Canada. I would give and I would give. I would do everything I possibly could to help relieve some of the, the suffering, some of the difficulty that people all around us go through on a daily basis. Because we all think of ourselves as generous people, don't we? I like to think of myself as a generous guy. And I think that all of us would say, yeah, I'm a pretty generous person. I give when I'm able, but to be honest with you right now, things are a little tight. Like I know there's some suffering in the world and there are people who need help and there are refugees and there are homeless people and you know, there are all these different things going on. I'd love to do something, but right now, the mortgage is due. And Dan, there's like this big threat in my office that we're all gonna lose our job because the economy has turned so far south. And, you know, I mean, I've got all these other commitments that I've already made. Like, there will come a day when I'm able to be generous, like Oprah or Bill Gates. I'll be able to give and not worry about. That day will come, but I'm just not there yet. Like, maybe when I get that next promotion, then I'll be at a point where I'm able to give and help other people in need around me. Maybe when uh, my salary finally crosses into six digits, like that'll give me enough resources to bless and serve the people in my city. Maybe when the kids finally move out of the house and keep sucking up my paycheck every week, when that finally happens, then I'll be at a point where I can use whatever I've got to help people in need, to be generous. You might think, hey, as soon as they fix the tax code, Dan, if they would just get that thing sorted, then I would be good to go. I would be the most generous guy on the planet if they would just take care of that. Maybe you're a college student and you're thinking, hey, I want to be generous. I think of myself as a generous person. I want to be more generous. But look, I'm in school right now. As soon as I get my degree and I start my career, then I'll be at the point where I can be one of those generous people that other people like to celebrate. It's like we're all waiting for this magic threshold 
this age or wage standard that we're going to cross one day and we can transition from wanting to be generous people to actually being generous people. We all seem to be waiting on it. It'll come one day. At some point, I'll have the resources I need to be generous, but not quite yet. I wonder if it's possible, though, that we've misunderstood what generosity really is. I wonder if true generosity is less about the amount of resources that you have and more about your attitude towards the resources that you have. I wonder if it's not possible for us to live generously here and now, today, even if we've got all these bills due and there are all these financial pressures and we have all these good intentions that we just haven't been able to act on fully yet. I wonder if it's not possible for us to be rich even if we haven't yet managed to get rich. I think it is. Because when you read the scripture, what you find out is there is a difference between getting rich and being rich. One is about accumulation. The other is about generosity. One is about how much you have. The other is about how, uh, what you do with the things that you have. So we're starting a new series that we're calling Be Rich. Today is the very first one. I want to acknowledge up front that some of you guys are elbowing the, the person next to you who brought you this morning. And you're like, I knew it. I knew it. I come back to church for the first time in a long time and they start talking about money. I knew it was going to happen. I'm going to tell you up front a couple of things. One, we're not talking about money. We're talking about generosity, and generosity encompasses much more than money. Number two, for those of you guys who kind of have the perception or the attitude, look, the church shouldn't be talking about money. That's just not the church's business. Let me tell you a fact about Jesus that you may or may not know. Jesus spoke more about money than he did heaven and hell combined. Did you know that? The number one subject that Jesus talked about was the kingdom of God. The number two subject that Jesus talked about was finances, money, generosity. And the reason that they were such a big deal to Jesus is because our wealth is actually the chief competitor God has for our hearts. It is the number one thing that God fights with for our affection and our devotion in our lives. And so throughout the scriptures, particularly in the life and teachings of Jesus, you see a great deal about the need to be rich. Jesus didn't talk a lot about getting rich. Sorry, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but that wasn't his message. Jesus never offered any get-rich-quick schemes. You know, he never said, if you'll donate to my ministry, God will bless you. He never said anything like that. Instead, he spent an awful lot of time talking about how the world could be transformed if we started to use whatever resources we do have as if we were already rich, as if we were the generous people that we know that we are. So I'm going to ask you to roll with me through this series, okay? I'm not going to put in a guilt trip on you, and we're not going to get to the end of this, and I'm like, all right, let's take up an offering, guys. Remember to be generous. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to give you permission up front to go be generous somewhere else. That's okay with me. It is totally fine. If you hear this message and you think, man, you know, I should be more generous, go find some worthy cause in our city and donate to it. 
I will celebrate that. That's a win, guys. That's the kingdom of God growing, whether you realize you're participating in it or not. So this is not some ploy to get you to donate to Connect Church. We are not in financial trouble. There is no ulterior motive here other than I have found how much my heart and life can be transformed when I learn to live generously. I hope you'll discover the same thing. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter number 6. We're going to read two verses here. We've got them on the screen, so you can follow along there if you like. 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verses 17 and verses 18. The Bible says this, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them, those who are rich in this world, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich. Now there's the phrase. We're going to spend a lot of time there over the next couple weeks. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with other people. If you were listening closely, you might recognize this passage is written to those who are rich in this world. And there's a tendency in my heart and in yours to say, oh yeah, for sure. You guys out there who are rich, this is a message for you. I'm not rich, but you're rich, and so you should use your wealth and resources to help. This is for the people who make lots of money, you know? This is where we say, hey, Oprah, you listening? Come on, Zuckerberg, Mr. Wonderful, you need to use your money and your resources to help people in our city. You are so rich, you're so wealthy, you need to go read 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verses 17 and 18. It becomes so easy for us to say this is a section of verses for them. There might even be some of you guys who say, look, Pastor Dan, I am not wealthy. This doesn't apply to me. You could skip right over this and start in verse number 19 if you want to, because those who are rich in this world, it does not describe me. Like, come on, I live in a starter home, and, and my paycheck is very, very average, and my retirement account, dude, I'd be embarrassed to show it to you because it is pitiful. There are rich people in this world, but I'm not one of them. I'll tell you what, if I ever get rich, then I'll be sure to follow these verses. I'll be sure to be generous when I become rich, but I'm not there yet. And you know, you're right if you only compare yourself to North America and to Europe. If you only compare yourself to the people that you see on TV, if you only compare yourself to the people who live on your block, then you're absolutely right. You are very middle class. There's probably nothing super financially special about you. You are smack dab in the middle. You would not qualify as one of those people who are rich in the world that need to read through this passage. But what happens if you take a bigger view? What happens if you stop comparing yourself to a select group of people that make you look really good and you start comparing yourself on the biggest scale of all? What if you compare your wealth to the wealth of every other person on the planet right now? If you did that, you would learn some incredibly interesting things, some things that might have the power to transform the way you view the resources that God has placed in your hands. If you go to the website, www.globalrichlist.com, I encourage you to check it out later this week. It is fascinating. Super, super interesting website. If you go to that website, 
what you find is a ranking of all the people that live anywhere on earth based on their income. And if you type in different numbers, like my salary is 30,000, my salary is 50,000, my salary is 120,000. If you type that in, it will tell you in what percentage of wage earners you are across the entire world. So let me show you some of the things that I found out here. If you go to that website, you find out if you type in $41,000, you qualify as one of the top 1% of wage earners in the entire world. Now, I'm not going to have you raise your hands because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but my guess is the vast majority of you have household incomes that are above $41,000. And by any stretch of the imagination, by any standard use, the top 1% would qualify as wealthy. Am I right? They would qualify as rich. See, the truth is, it's uncomfortable. We don't like to think about it. It it makes us feel kind of strange because we know the financial pressure that we're under. But the truth is, you and I are rich. Yeah, you live in a starter home, but that starter home costs you somewhere in the neighborhood of half a million dollars. Yeah, your paycheck is super average. I get that. But when half or let's a third of the world's population lives on $2 a day or less, then I don't know that I've got the right to complain that my salary is average. I don't know what I could do with my resources. Imagine that. Imagine I gave you a toonie as you walked out this morning. I'm not even going to do that. Apparently, I'm not very generous. I'm not even going to give you a toonie. But imagine I did. And I said, okay, your job is to feed your family, pay your bills, and take care of anything else that you need to do for today on this coin. It would be nearly impossible. And yet, a third of everybody on the planet does that day in and day out. The truth is, you and I are way richer than we ever like to admit. And if you're still not sure, if you're like, yeah, but you don't know my situation, here's what I want to do. I want to fly you down to Honduras. I want to take you to Parma, Honduras, where we go on mission trips all the time. I want to take you to El Tigre, Costa Rica. And I want to sit you down with one of the villagers there, and I want you to explain to them all the financial pressure that you have on you right now. It'll put it into perspective pretty quickly. Because as much as we hate to admit it, as much as we look at a verse like that and we say, oh, that's for them. It's for the rich people. It's for the top 1%. If we're honest... We are in the top percent. We are some of the richest people that have ever lived in history. And we say, no, I couldn't be generous with what I have. I couldn't give to help alleviate suffering around my city or around my world because I just don't have the resources necessary to do that. One of the weird things about wealth is that it forces us to live in denial. It really does. It's kind of bizarre because most people have no trouble telling you about themselves, right? Creative people love to tell you how creative they are. They love to talk about that. People who go to the gym and they're strong, they wear shirts that show off their muscles, you know? They're like, yeah, I work out, I'm swole. If you have somebody who's an introvert, they generally don't have any trouble admitting that they're shy. An extrovert can't wait to tell you how extroverted and personable they are. And yet rich people almost never want to admit that they're actually wealthy. 
We live in denial about the resources that God has given us. And we keep waiting for that moment where somehow something's going to change and we'll finally become the generous people that we know we should be. And what do you know? That day never ends up getting here for most of us. When Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter number 6 that those who are rich in this world should use their resources to do good, he is writing to you and to me. We cannot skip over this passage. We have to take it seriously because God has actually entrusted us with quite a bit compared to the rest of the people in the world. And so we need to start thinking about how we can use our resources to generously serve those people who are around us. Now, here's what I know about you because this is true of me too. Hearing those facts does not make you feel any richer, does it? I didn't see any husbands turn to their wives and like, high five, we're rich, we did it. Nobody, nobody changed their attitude hearing those facts. I understand that. The raw numbers are the raw numbers. But we don't feel rich. So here's what I want to do. Over the next few weeks, we are going to pretend that we were rich so that we'll be good at it in case it ever happens. That's what we're going to do. We're going to practice being rich so that when you get rich, you'll know what to do with your money. Because too many rich people, genuinely wealthy folks in our world don't know how to be good at being rich. I don't want that for you. When that happens, when you get the promotion you deserve, when your business takes off, when all those good things come your way, I want you to be good at managing all those resources that are going to be coming your way. So we're going to practice being rich as a community over the next few weeks, just in case it ever happens for us. This morning, I want to bust the biggest myth. This is the thing that holds us back from being generous people now. This is the, the, the lie that we tell ourselves, the excuse that we make that says, oh, I, I will be generous someday, but I'm just not able to do that now. I just I want to crush that lie so that you can practice being rich today, even if you haven't managed to get as rich as you would have liked just yet. Are you ready for the myth? Here it is. This is what we tell ourselves all the time. This is the lie that we buy into. The myth is, I'll give more when I have more. That's what we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves the primary hurdle to being generous is that I don't have enough resources to be generous with. Well, I've already told you that you qualify as the top 1%. So you probably have more resources than you realize that you do. But this is a myth for a whole nother reason. Statistically, we know this is true. This is true across all socioeconomic classes. This is true for people across countries and cultures. We know statistically that the more a person makes, the less they give. Isn't that fascinating? It's counterintuitive. It spins the mind a bit. Because you think and you tell yourself all the time, if I have more, then I will give more. But the reality is, as a percentage of their income, wealthy people give less than poorer people. So if you don't give a lot now, when you're not yet wealthy, you're probably not going to be giving a lot once you finally do get the wealth that you've been seeking. It's a myth to say that I'll give more once I have more. 
And you know that this is true in your own life as well. Every time you get a financial increase, there's always something new that comes along to take it, right? Do you remember when you first started working and you were like, $42,000 a year? Wow, I could live off of that forever. That seems like an absolute fortune. And now you think, $42,000 a year? How can I possibly live off of that? You're thinking to yourself today, if I could get to 70, 80, I would be so good. But you know this is true. When you get to 70 or 80, there's always going to be another level you want to hit. There's always going to be some other goal. There's always going to be some other number that you have to get to before you're able to start living generously. Do you know why that is? That's because money and wealth are an appetite. And appetites grow when you feed them. Money and wealth are an appetite. And appetites only grow when you feed them. If you want to develop an appetite for sushi, you keep eating it, eating it, eating it. Eventually you go from saying, oh, this is disgusting, to saying, hey, this isn't half bad, to saying, I want sushi every day. Your appetites grow. And wealth, finances, resources They are an appetite, and the more of it you have, the more of it you will want. And so if you don't learn to be generous now, you will never give more later just because your resources increase. I really do. I hope that you get all the wealth that you desire in the world. Did you know there's nothing wrong with wealth? Seriously, when you go through and you read the Bible, Jesus constantly talked about finances and money. He never talked about it as if it were a bad thing. He said it has the potential to become a stumbling block in your life. A lot of people think the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Did you know that's not what the Bible says? Does not say that. That passage is actually found here in 1 Timothy chapter number 6. It's just a couple verses from where we were uh, a few moments ago. The verse actually says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. To which we would say, obviously, yeah. If you have a lot of money and you mismanage it, it can cause destruction. We know that's true. So the Bible is not opposed to you getting wealth. It's not opposed to that idea, but it is opposed to the idea that we would take those resources and use them only for ourselves. I want you to experience the abundant, overflowing life that God has for you. I really do. And if you want to experience it, you have to learn to live generously. You have to live open-handedly. You have to be willing to donate your time. When you know there are people who have a need on a Saturday, you've got to be willing to give up a few hours to go help them. If there is somebody who's lacking something that you have, you have to get to the point where you are able to say, here, take it. I'm not even worried so much if you pay me back. I just want you to be taken care of. That's living generously, and that is where we want to get. Because we will not give anymore just because we get more. Here's one more thought for you, and then we're going to wrap up. Money only makes you more of what you already are. Money only makes you more of what you already are. I tell you it's a myth that when you get more, you'll give more, and that's because money only makes you more of what you already are. So that means if you are a saver by nature, when you get more money, you don't suddenly become a giver. You become a bigger saver, right? 
more of it goes into your retirement and savings accounts. If you're a spender, if like being here at the mall today, you're like, I'm going to that church because it's at Cross Iron. And after the services, I can go spend the paycheck. It's going to be so great. If that's where you are, then when you get your raise, when you get more resources, you're not going to give anymore. You're just going to spend more. If you're not a generous person today, you won't necessarily be one later. You actively have to choose to give from whatever resources God has placed into your hands. That's what I hope for you. Because the biggest predictor of whether you'll give in the future is whether you give now. That's the number one predictor. If you'll give today, then you'll give then. If you don't give now, you won't give then. That's just how it works. There's a really short incident that illustrates this passage. It's fascinating to me that 2,000 years ago, Jesus pointed out this very principle. There are just uh, three verses here I'm gonna put on the screen. We're gonna read it. I'm not gonna give you much commentary on it at all. Mark chapter number 12, verses 41 through 44, the Bible says, at one point in his life, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts, which you would expect, they're rich, of course. Then a poor woman came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to himself and he said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who were making contributions. For they gave a tiny portion of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given everything she has to live on. Now, Jesus is not advocating that you get like crazy and you give away 100% of your paycheck. That's not what he's saying here. He's pointing out that just because you're wealthy doesn't mean that you will give any more generously. You're either a generous person now and you will be a generous person later, or you're not and you won't. So let me leave you with three questions. You can answer them however you want to. It's not a test. It's not pass or fail. These are designed to help you begin to live generously because I want to reiterate, guys, it is not about money. I don't want your money. You don't have to write a check to Connect Church. I don't care. Go find some worthy nonprofit charity somewhere and use a little bit of the resources you have. Go find somebody on your block who needs some help and shovel their driveway or mow their grass or help them move whatever it takes it doesn't have to be here it can be anywhere but i want you to discover the power of living a generous life so let me leave you with these three questions do you know what percentage of your income goes to charitable causes do you have any idea the average canadian the average canadian donates 0.8% of their income to charitable causes throughout the year, 0.8%. We live in one of the richest nations on earth, and we don't even manage 1%. If you were to give $1,000 throughout the year, spread to a whole bunch of different charities, doesn't even matter. If you were to give $1,000, you would qualify as a top 10% giver in the entire country. Some of you guys are like, well, I know I give more than that. Good job. Way to go. You guys are way up there and you didn't even realize it. It's not a high threshold to cross. If we just gave a little bit, man, we could see our city. We could see our nation. We could see our world transformed because to be perfectly honest, we have not set the bar very high. In 2013, Canada was the second most generous country on earth. 
In 2014, we had become the third most generous country on earth. And in 2015, we had slipped to the fourth most generous country on earth. I understand there are economic issues going on. I get all of those different things. But I think we can both agree that we're trending in the wrong direction. As a nation, haven't Canadians, haven't they always prided themselves on taking care of those who are in need? And yet we see as our, uh, our resources continue to grow, our giving hasn't kept pace. And that's an issue that we can begin to address in small ways right here in our part of the city. Do you have any idea how much of your money you actually give away? I'm not telling you you need to give away 10% or 2% or 50%. I don't care what the number is. I want you to figure out what it is that you actually give away. Second question I'll ask you is, what keeps you from giving more? What is it that holds you back? What is it? Is it a fear? Like if I give to them, then I'll have less for myself. And what if this happens? And what if that goes south? What if I lose my job? What if, what if, what if? Is it fear? Is it a lack of of causes? You're like, eh, I just don't know that I found anything yet that's worthy to donate to. Is that what it is? Is it uh, you're stretched too thin? You've got too many bills, too many responsibilities as, as it is? I don't know what it is, but I hope you'll identify that. You'll say, okay, this is the reason. This is the thing that's holding me back. I'd love to be generous. I think of myself as a generous person, but this is the thing that holds me back from actually being rich with the resources that God has given me. And then I'll ask you this last question. This one's purely rhetorical. You can figure this out for yourself. Do you actually want to be generous? Because it's one thing to love the idea of being generous. It's one thing to say, oh yeah, I should help people around. I should do my part. That's one thing. But it's a whole nother thing to actually step out and to do something. To say, all right, I've been using a lot of these resources only on myself and I should probably do a little bit more. I should probably live a little more generously than I have. If you want to do that, then there is a pretty simple roadmap. It's not a, simple, it's not a hard thing. It's not rocket science. It's fairly straightforward to live a generous sort of life. It starts by acknowledging God has put in your hand resources that you can and should use to serve the people around you. 